Welcome back to Getting to Know You. I'm very excited about our guest this week, Kathleen Cullen, who uh, is a SEBS parishioner, um, also the former director of campus ministry at uh, Divine Savior Holy Angels, and uh, starting a new initiative in her life, which is Grief, Grit, and Gratitude. I got that right, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yes. Hey, John. How are you? Good. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, no problem. We have known each other a long time because when you worked at Divine Savior, uh, you worked with Lisa, and so mm -hmm. I've I've like watched your whole progression and mm -hmm. been impressed with all of the work that you've done, and, oh, and, you. and definitely see you as a friend. But also loving watching like your family uh, at church and your growing family, oh, yeah. and all the new things you're doing. My family at church, I don't know if that's the one to watch. It's kind of hard to wrangle them, but uh, exactly <laughs> the vegetables are friend. <laughs> exactly what I want to watch at church. <laughs> yeah, COVID's complicated it a little bit. That whole church behavior but we'll get there oh, yeah, yeah. COVID, COVID complicated a lot of things for sure but yeah um so thanks for doing this I appreciate it I know you're busy and, and you got your hands full and you got all sorts of things you're doing but um I appreciate the time to talk for a little bit and my first question for you is you know Kathleen for anyone that doesn't know you tell us about yourself yeah so um I grew up in Milwaukee and I went to uh, parish in Wauwatosa, but then we also always belong to um, St. Catharines too, from my parents. Uh, my parents did both, so I grew up going to Christ King and to St. Sebastian, and then um, went on and was actually Lisa's student at DSHA High School, and then went on to Marquette University and studied. I changed a few times, but I ended up studying theology and secondary education, um, and when I was at Marquette, I would just always take advantage of any opportunity to do service in the community, to do mission trips, um, and I had the opportunity to study abroad in Cape Town, South Africa as well, so that was a huge part of my formation just in terms of um, understanding as much as I can post-apartheid South Africa and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and how that's really shaped my work, um, my life, and just choices for my family, including being a member at St. Sebastian. Mm. Well, um, tell me more about that time in Cape Town. Yeah, so it was a, a semester and it was a service learning program. And so it was um, classes that we would take. And one of them was like the theology of reconciliation, forgiveness, and peace. And then there was also the service component of it. So you had a placement. Um, I was at a school in one of the local townships doing more like communications work with the students because of the trauma that they had faced every day. And um, everything that's happened and continues to happen with AIDS and just other public health issues um, in South Africa. So we lived in community, like the other students and I, so we all lived together and then we had different placements. Um, but there was a lot of reflection and just processing of, you know, South Africa, the place, learning about Nelson Mandela, having the opportunity to meet Desmond Tutu. So it was more so, I mean, great, obviously life enhancing and changing moments, but also just the ability to process and to know that like through that experience we have a responsibility to so much more because you don't pick how you're born but you can pick how you spend your time after that and the communities in which you are a part and how you spend your time so that's 
kind of a long answer to your short question, but basically it was a very transformative experience in my life. Um, it, was a good, that. it was a great answer. And I have two follow-up questions. Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, how did you, how did you choose to, to study there? And then you met, I forgot you met Desmond Tutu. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> It was pretty awesome. Um, I chose to study there because I figured it would be a place I couldn't go other, like it would be harder to get to later in life. Um, and it was a lot of convincing with my mom. Like she was not, she was nervous as a single parent. She didn't know enough about it, but I knew a lot of, I had, had a close friend um, who had done it the semester before me. And then I also knew, I worked at the service learning office at Marquette. So I was familiar with the program director and I kind of just did this whole like lobbying thing with my mom where I would just introduce her to South Africa. And then, then she ended up coming, which was so cool. Um, and now you would think mom, if you see this, but you would think it was her idea at times. So it is funny how those things go, but <laughs> But I would say that for me, it was I was so just like interested in it and reading about it and also um, being at Marquette and like being in the city of Milwaukee, just trying to understand even like our own city and things that happen here. And so I think it was both. And I also recognize it as a privilege, but um, I did work a lot to pay for the experience too. Of course, um, of course. Um, yeah. You also spoke so well about just the responsibility that we have as people that are given a lot. It's it, it reminds me of people will maybe have watched uh, last week's uh, interview with with Rocky Marcou. He talked all about that too. That you know we have great responsibility to um, to do what we can to you know make the world a better place. So well exactly. said, and good work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Desmond Tutu, that was, uh, how'd you get that up to? That was, I mean, he was pretty involved in the start of our program since the year that I did it. Um, it's now like Marquette and other Jesuit universities have partnered. So you can go and be part of the program from other schools. But my year was the last year it was just Marquette students. And so when, when it was formed, um, Judy Mayotte was one of the women who started it and she knew him. And so like she got him involved and kind of... Um, got him connected and we took classes at the University of Western Cape um, which is like the this is the terminology that they use but it was like the colored people's institution or school um, versus going to the University of Cape Town and so it just everything about the program was trying to understand learning to understand walking you know in different you know like going to Robben Island seeing Nelson Mandela's jail cell learning about what had happened and then also seeing how things were now and I think for me it was like so recent in history I could envision it even more than like the civil rights movement which now I can sp have spent a lot more time like reading and reflecting on but I just think it's our responsibility as humans to know like how our actions impact one another and not just humans but especially obviously as Christians like Jesus is that example for us. And so I think um, obviously it's even more present now. I mean, it's never gone away, but I think that it's so critical that we talk about it and that we learn about it and that we say, I'm sorry, I don't know, or I'm learning, you know, and just like having that honest communication. So. Right. And it's, and it's so much easier just to not venture into that scary or unknown place, but I think you're yeah. right. 
it's like a job we're supposed to do. So yeah. Um, cool. Thank you. Uh, you know, I kind of cut you off from you talking about you. You're also obviously by the room you're in, you're, uh, you're a mother. Oh. <laughs> yes. Welcome to my playroom. Um, uh, my kids are napping. So that's where I get to do my zoom calls, but, um, <laughs> yes, I have two kids. I have an almost four-year-old and almost two-year-old. And during the pandemic, I think it shifts a lot of things for a lot of people, but, um, that and my own life experience of losing a parent when I was young, I, I just kind of had these moments of prayer and reflection where I was thinking, I don't want to just be on this hamster wheel of like working and putting them in childcare and working in, and I grew up in daycare. So it's not like I have anything against people's different family choices. It was just something for me that I was like, I need to take a pause and see what's see what's going to work for me and for as a mother and also for our family. So, so yeah, I resigned from my more than full-time, technically full-time, but more than full-time job. Right. I know uh, that. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. So it was good, but I was there for 10 years and I resigned just over a year ago. And so it was a big time of, you know, obviously discernment and getting to that point. And now, kind of figuring out like I would always joke with former students like I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up and now I mean there's definitely moments where I have that but while I was working I was able to do my master's in social work at UWM part-time so I've always had that as like a tool and a resource but I hadn't used it you know in like a specific social work position and so I kind of spent time thinking about that and then ultimately I love grief. It's super weird, probably for a lot of people. I don't I've never heard anyone talking, say that. <laughs> talking about death doesn't scare me. I think it is an inevitable part of life. And I think, um, especially as a younger mom, we talk so much at the beginning of life about birth or adoption and families and having showers and sprinkles or whatever, like all these things to prepare for this new person entering a family and at the end of life it's so silent and it's like such a sacred time and I think we just need more ways to talk about it and to support people not just when someone dies but after like how do you cope with that how do you find meaning and purpose in your life again when a huge part of you has changed and so um so yeah so a few, well, I guess in January, so like nine months ago, I started my own LLC where I do grief coaching, which is different than counseling because it's more of, I mean, there's similarities and I work with both and I respect both. And, but um, for me, it was more just this model of that, like checking in, whether it's like an inspirational message or text or um, kind of that encouraging setting goals over time and really normalizing like okay what's coming up all right the holidays are coming up how can we talk about that what are traditions that happened in the past what are, you know and also knowing that like with grief it's so much what Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry talk about is like what happened to you versus like um what's wrong with you and so I think it's more so like a death happened to you you're like there might be other complications of that but ultimately if people are able to talk about it and know that like they're okay and that some of these feelings and emotions aren't unusual I think they can thrive uh or do you know 
they have permission to thrive or to like live love parts of their life again and it doesn't and I think the other thing is and then I'll stop talking but um that grief it's like integrating it it's not this um isolated thing that's going to go away it's always going to be with you so it's figuring out like how you can integrate that into your life because of how much you love someone which is like a human experience so that's kind of so yeah, so I do that on the side now and I'm a mom and I'm a parishioner at St. Sebastian's and we're newer to St. Sebastian's, but we love it because um, we're in the neighborhood, so. Um, yeah, you, uh, you speak really well about grief. I, most people don't want to talk about it. And I joked when you said you love grief because it, it's, I mean, always feels accompanied with pain. Well, that's what I was going to say. Before you and I, we started recording, you and I were talking about this and you said, you use that a word uh, that I think part of my job now is to accompany. And that's a word I think keeps popping up that I keep hearing that is really kind of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, just like being with someone and walking their journey with someone wherever they are and kind of just accompanying them uh, on that, in that place, that must take a lot of emotional energy. Um, yes, I mean, I think in some, in a lot of ways it does, it does absolutely to think of them and to integrate them, uh, you know, like think of things that they might need or the a whole accompaniment part of it. But I think that it's also thinking of my own life of like people that have done that for me mm-hmm. and that have helped like at different points in my life, like help me make big decisions or help me or just like supported me in ways that I didn't know I needed, especially because of not having my dad. And so I think there's like big, you know, I don't know how life would have been different if he hadn't died suddenly, but like now that that's been more of my life than it has not been. It's also just thinking of like, how did I get where I am and what were things that helped along the way? And I think a lot of it is after the funeral, things quiet down and people don't recognize that like, oh, this is still part of you. This is still, this is part of like every decision that you make really, like where are you going to go to school? What time type of work you might want to do? Um, obviously those are more milestone choices, but even just on a daily basis, like if you're, you can have great days and be, you know, f- feeling good for parts of it or most of it. And then there's other days where you're just like, oh, you know, just like you're, you're sad or you're hear, hear a song or you know, and so just being able to talk about that and not feeling like you're like walking around with this cloud, um, like you are all the time, but it's more so just like, no, I want to tell you about my loved one. And I want to share this thing that happened today that reminded me of them. And it's not weird. It's just part of my life and it's part of who I am. And so being able to talk about it more. Um, and, uh, I said this, I've said this recently somewhere else. I don't remember where I said it, but, but grief is not linear, right? Just, uh, it, yeah. it bounces around and takes to one. I would say like, you can have all the, I don't believe necessarily in the stages of grief. Um, I think that like all of those emotions you could have in the same hour. Yeah. The same hour like, <laughs> and so, but I do think just like talking about how all of those things are connected, all the different feelings and emotions of grief are connected, I think is important. So that's something that, I definitely, you know, when talking with people, I'm like, oh, well, it makes sense you would feel that way. You know, if someone's complaining about their parent or whatever the situation is, 
Um, but I also think with grief, like sometimes we're just so afraid to say like, how are you really, you know, or just in general. And people are, you know, if you think you're going to make someone more sad by saying, oh, you know, how are you doing without your mom or whatever? And really it's just super validating to be like, oh, I'm not the only one that's thinking about how all of these things have been impacted because of this person no longer being physically with me. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. And as you've been talking, I have been questioning, should I, should I talk about your dad or not? You know, um, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that ex you had this life experience that I'm sure was partially motivating to what you're doing now. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. So my dad died unexpectedly when I was in third grade and I'm one of four girls. And so my mom raised us then and had to work obviously for income and insurance. And um, so I felt like at our parish community, there was a lot of, there were different supports that helped like what um, people made lunches or like at different times we would have meals and all of that. Like I think is, you know, in the moment you don't know what to do. And I think it's so helpful just to do something, just try it. Like if, if someone doesn't want it, they can tell you that or, or they can throw the casserole out, but ultimately like to, to express that you care about them and that you're there for them. I think that's something I learned so much from being in a parish community. And it's something that always has enhanced my faith life because I just realized like, even if, our family doesn't didn't look the way that other families looked there were other people that were reaching out to us and that were supporting us or giving us a ride home when we are waiting at bas after basketball practice or whatever and so I think that that's really the power of a faith community and it definitely motivates my work too um, especially with parent loss specifically because I talk about other deaths too but with parent loss you don't know your life without your parent. Like these are people and usually, so, you know, like there's obviously factors that could, but I think that's like, even in like difficult dynamics or even when there's anticipatory grief or, you know, where you think you, someone's been sick for a while, this, the permanence of it still is what is so jarring. And it's something that you're reminded of not only for holidays and birthdays, but also just ordinary days. Um, so I think just being able to talk about some of that and and find ways to care for yourself in it. Um, and it can be a way that like honors your loved one or just something that you enjoy doing that kind of helps you. I think when you were talking earlier about just like how do you carry both things when you're accompanying, I think for me, it's also like taking care of myself, whether that's running or reading or doing things that I care about. Um, outside going outside like outside of work so that I can be you know it's the very cliche typical example of you have to put your oxygen mask on before someone else so I, I really try to live that too yeah that's uh, it's not cliche it sounds like uh, critical to the survival yeah that's true I know so one of my clients is like I wish there was a different example of that I'm like yeah I, I do too but I just don't that's like the only one I know of like that like I don't so if anyone watching this yeah. knows it. <laughs> yeah. Right in the comments. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so all of this kind of leads me to the conversation. You, you've absolutely touched on your faith uh, throughout this conversation already, but maybe I give you a chance to articulate it a little more directly, what your faith 
you know, describing your faith and what it, what it means to you, especially yeah. considering all the stuff you've gone through in your life. Yeah. So I think for me, um, just from a young age, prayer was always like, that was the only way I really knew how to communicate. Um, especially like after death, really. I mean, it was like a experience so young, but like the one thing we always did is we were always at church every weekend. So that was for me, like seeing my mom as that role model in that of like, we don't understand and this is hard, but we can take our worries, our prayers, our joy, you know, to God. And, um, that has always been really powerful. So I think that's been a big part of it. And then also, um, the elements of Catholic social teaching and service, I think from a young age too, like I realized like, yes, my life was hard and this was like the cross that I was going to have to bear, but it was also realizing there are people that don't have either parent. There are people that, don't have a home there are people you know like there are people that struggle with addiction and so from a young sometimes weirdly in my opinion like because then I think back to me being in like fourth and fifth grade organizing like sandwich making or things like that like I'm like oh um yeah but I just think like that was a big part of it was I was like yes this is hard but there's other people and that was always the connection and faith because that's where a lot of like my service happened and that was a lot of my community as well um and then like specifically Catholicism as my world grew and I was more involved in different communities um even when I was at Marquette I was part of this Manresa scholars program and I had an internship at All Saints Catholic Parish which is on 26th and Capitol and being there um, for mass, it was so powerful to hear like this incredible gospel choir and to see, but also to be helping with their meal program and to just be involved in all the ways and all the offerings that parishes have. I think for me, I was like Catholicism. Like, I know that it's universal, but this is really like, this is in my city and there's so many different ways of praying and of you know, believing the same things and of coming together for Eucharist, but also, um, you know, expressing it in slightly different ways, but learning from one another. So I think for me, what's always kept me, you know, like in Catholicism is the universality of it and how no matter where you are in the world, there's so many different languages and songs, um, but that you're all coming together for the same purpose. And so that's always been something that's just like overwhelmingly powerful to me there's a comfort in that for me too because that universality gives you some leeway when you find that you come across catholics that you disagree with you know that you say oh it's not a question any of those no, just <laughs> you know you can say though like uh this is not a crisis of faith this is an opportunity yeah. for discussion or learning yeah. growing or sharing yeah yeah exactly um, uh, okay, good. Uh, what about um, your your and Patrick's kind of involvement in uh, SEBS and your connection? Yeah, so before I knew Patrick, um, Patrick's my husband for any okay. new listener, but um, he actually, when he was at, in law school at Marquette, he went to St. SEBS. So I didn't know him then, but he always, like, that was the community he found when he was um like in law school. So um, now we don't have school aged kids quite yet, hopefully next year. Um, so we're excited to be in the school community as well. But um, we love walking to mass because uh, it's right close to us. And 
I've started to get involved in the Facing Racism Committee, which I think is so important. I think that not only in Milwaukee, but for the entire archdiocese, like it's so important that we're talking about these issues. Um, obviously part of social teachings, but also as life issues. Like we need to talk about the quality of life for all people. And so I think that it's really powerful to connect that with our faith. And so I do more of that. He's um, like getting involved too. I think we're, I mean, we've only been probably a few, like maybe three years or four. So it's, um, we, we have more to get involved. I always am like, I know we're going to be there for a long time. So we don't have to say yes to everything. <laughs> so, so I think- Plenty of time to suck you in. Yeah, I know how those things can happen. So I've been trying to work on like, in this redefining time, just more of like my own boundaries or just like time too yeah. so. well and obviously i know your skills and your background and your ministry background and so i have had to bite my tongue a few times to say oh let's get let's get kathleen to do this <laughs> i appreciate it it's, it is it's it's nice to be thought of and i do appreciate that but yeah it's trying to figure out um just the whole vocation of motherhood and you know whatever is next so or and i mean the work that i'm doing too obviously with grief so yeah, absolutely. for it. Um, uh, how does um, your your the faith you're talking about uh, influence the work with grief, grit, and gratitude? I think um, so. For me, I obviously like I have a theology degree. My faith is personally very important to me. Um, I have to believe in heaven and afterlife like I for me like when I after my dad died that was there are certain things that just like I never questioned in the way that I've questioned other things and so I think um I have that as a resource if people want it um but I also know that sometimes faith can be really challenging in terms of death especially right away like some people really go closer to it and some people are like this is horrible. I don't know why any God would ever do this to me. Yeah, and that's the last thing they want. So I feel like um, I can be like a bridge and a resource, but it doesn't have to be overly religious to start. And then it can be like, that's part of my experience if that's ever asked in like a conversation. But um, yeah. I also meant, uh, yeah, that makes total sense what you said. People are going to go towards it or away from it. But I also wondered how it informed your approach to the person you're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, that's kind of one of my like entry form questions um, for new clients, just to kind of know where they are in the, the spectrum of it. Because I don't want to, you know, I think Assume. things like everything happens for a reason this is God's plan those can be really toxic and damaging and so I know that people have good intentions when saying that but sometimes it's like we don't really know why we don't really have the answer and in my belief like God does and we don't understand it but like here we are and we're gonna do the best we can um so I think that it definitely informs my practice but a lot of my practice is listening and trying to understand where um a person is in their life and the experiences that have brought them to that place and then how their grief the death of whomever or or just like grief can be other things that aren't death but mainly I focus on death but um how that's like informed their life so yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I, yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear you say that. That I'd never heard anyone say uh, this is happening for a reason is a toxic thing. But I think you're right <laughs> because people are trying to comfort with that statement, and it often yeah. will do the absolute opposite of that. Yeah, and sometimes I think we say things because it makes us feel better, mm-hmm. but it's not actually like what the person needs and so it's kind of just seen like if someone wants to tell you a million stories about that you've heard before about their person then being that space versus being annoyed you know like is 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 your ministry to them versus if you ask and someone doesn't want to then ask again or write a card or do something you know like pray for them you know so there's other ways of supporting them too um but I think it's more so just talking and listening and knowing that like just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad and a lot of times when we can acknowledge the hard we're able to grow more together so yeah yeah well said um this is a total aside but you're not it looks like half of you is uh oh i'm shining (laughs) i can (laughs) it's the sunlight God is shining down. But, yeah. <laughs> it was um, all your questions about uh <laughs> um, my last question I ask everyone is when you think about the future, Kathleen, what do you hope for? I hope that we can start listening more to the different perspectives. I don't think that one side is all right mm-hmm. um, and one side's all wrong right now. And I think I it saddens me how divisive our community, our world has become. And um, yeah, so I hope that we can come together and that we can listen for the greater good of the next generations. Um, I think it'll take obviously communities like St. Sebastian to do that and a lot of courageous conversations and um, hard smaller actions. Like there's not gonna be like a one big quick fix but I think that we really need to keep working on this and not just like cancel anyone that thinks differently or anyone that is or isn't wearing a mask or is or isn't vaccinated like I think that it's just becoming um we're not seeing the humanity in other people or like what forms them anymore it's more just like you're in this box you're in this box and so I will talk to you I won't talk to you and I think that's going to be the most problematic part of the next years and maybe forever if we don't figure out ways of saying oh this is why I don't agree with it but this is why you think this way but there's still good in you and I want to honor that yeah everyone has like a a reason or a path that they got to whatever their stance that they've dug into is right and there's, there's rationale for it and and we often make assumptions about what that is and we don't ask and try to figure out what it is and I mean I'm guilty of it we're all guilty oh oh, totally me too (laughs) but I also try and have friends on all sides so it just helps it doesn't it's hard because there's there's times where I'm just like this is really stressful or this is really a really tough conversation and but um I think it does help just kind of knowing like it's not that far removed from you um And, and again, it takes more energy to engage that way. It's a lot easier just to be with the people that are think like you and agree with yeah. you. It's uh, not probably the right way. Yeah, exactly. So that's my hope. Let's come together and uh, keep working to making 
the world better for the next generation. But especially in Milwaukee, I know I was just at the the bell tower lighting and I loved all the analogies just about it being a beacon of hope and just the the light that it can be and I think that's one of the things that makes me so attracted to Saint Sebastian is like before diversity was something that everyone was talking about they were already doing it and living it and um just leading by example so I think it can only be enhanced from there yep Yep, good image. I like that. <laughs> Kathleen, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. You're a great talk show host. <laughs> it's it's my missed calling. That's what I know. <laughs> no, I uh, uh, you you spoke so well about your faith and the work you're doing and uh, can continued success in uh, in in your grief work, uh, especially as you accompany people. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have thank a good you. rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you.